From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, we are so excited because we love this movie. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We saw it in theaters. We are so excited to have the Chad Gets the Axe director, Travis Bible, here with us today. Because Chad Gets the Axe is coming out very soon, everybody. And actually, no, as of the publication of this podcast, it's out, I believe. And Mm -hmm. we have sung this movie's praises for months. So now you can finally watch it. Travis, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and relive some uh, horror memories. Oh, <laughs> yay. Yeah, we both saw this at um, at Unnamed uh, Footage Festival where we served on the jury. And this was honestly, this was my favorite movie of the fest, to be perfectly honest. I loved this movie. Thank you. Yeah. Were you, um, did you find yourself reading the comments more or watching the movie more? Okay, so the first time so I watched the movie <laughs> and then I have a screener for it or I had a screener for it and I watched it like a week after I got back from San Francisco and then I paid a lot of attention to the comments. Oh my God. The comments are so, well, first of all, before we jump into talking about the specifics, can you tell our listeners who may not be familiar a little bit about what Chad Gets the Axe is all about? Um, Chad Gets the Axe, it's uh, about four uh, influencers who go to visit a supposedly kind of haunted, like, location where a bunch of murders occurred from a satanic cult um, back in the day, and they're going to live stream it. And then, uh, surprise, it turns out the head of the satanic cult is still there and then hunts them down on their live stream and kind of, uh, tries to eliminate them one, one by one. And that's the synopsis, but yeah, it's all told like a live stream. It's all kind of shot like that. So you got your comments, your likes, your emojis, and a lot of the kind of screen life stuff going on in between too. And that's, you know, kind of the, the take of it. Send feet. Send feet. <laughs> the feet pick. <laughs> Sometimes I just text Terry, send feet, and it sounds out mm-hmm. of context really awful, but it's just because we love the comments in the movie, so we are quoting your movie and our text to each other, so thank you for that's, that. That's awesome. The um, the lead actor's little brother was kind of my Gen Z consultant, and I showed him... That's <laughs> <laughs> so good! And so I like showed him... He's, he's going to love that I just mentioned this in the pocket. So I um, showed him a cut, and he was like, it's actually pretty good, pretty close, but it's like, it's not enough pervy stuff, like show feet and I'm like dude I don't know what that means he's like well it's a thing that you <laughs> people do I'm like I love it I'm gonna make it a thing I'm gonna make the username Peter PP to be as immature as possible and then we're gonna have a show feet guy and he's like all right so um I'm glad that tracked with y'all it really it, well, did I think the whole thing about this movie that is like this is one this is if not the my favorite one of my favorite influencer horror movies because I think you like you hit a realism. Like, you, they don't feel... Like, they're, they're they're unlikable, but they're not... You make them a little bit more dimensional, and you give them more than just, like, vapid influencer, but, like, vapid influencer, but more. Plus the comments, you really hit this, like, dig, like digital horror so well. And I'm curious about, like, why this format and what about the Screen Life live stream format was, like, called to you for this movie? Um, you know, I'll give a slightly longer answer like I've always kind of liked found footage stuff like I love Blair Witch that just at the time blew my mind like that was so cool and then in the back of my head uh, honestly for a while I was like well, what if you did like a reality tv thing that was kind of back in the aughts or you know like yeah call, like do that reality this with a reality television type format it never kind of crystallized like into into anything yet and I still you know then all those movies like have you ever seen like Grave Encounters Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh, you're talking to you're talking to a person whose found <laughs> footage is literally everything to her. So, oh my god! <laughs> okay, so that was really cool, and I'm like, well, they did that. Well, you know, I love paranormal activity, and then a certain influencer thought it would be appropriate to film a, a dead body, and that kind of like yep. maybe make like, you know, I want to. This made me feel really weird, and like I feel a little disconnected with Gen Z, but I kind of want to approach it as a millennial and i did a short film 
And that was also called Chad Gets the Axe. And that was just like a 10-minute, 11-minute version. Um, for that, we really hit hard on it kind of being one continuous shot. The mm-hmm. actor, uh, Spencer Levin, so talented. But I basically made him do like three, four-minute takes back-to-back. And then we – so it was very little editing at the end for the short. And um, put that together – Put all the comments in and, you know, even for 11 minutes, me and the um, post producer, Mike Nicholas, were like, dude, this is hard. There's a lot of comments. And uh, we put it out. It played really well. Um, festivals, um, Vimeo pick uh, and some other awards, which is nice. That helped me get some interest and some financing for the feature. And, um, yeah, the thing was the feature, which had to make sh- I had to make sure it was, uh, you know, uh, not boring, that, you know, expand it. And, um, you know, that's why I added four characters to it. And yeah, I just really wanted to, I guess, do 2022, 2023, whatever Blair Witch project. And, you know, how do you do find found footage these days? And I kind of think influencers and, you know, streaming is the way it would, it would go. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So you, you kind of like touched on this and I'm curious how it worked for a feature. How did you, I, cause I can only imagine how exhausting it would be to try to make like, cause the chat is running constantly through this. How did you, how did you create like almost a second story that was happening in there and keep it interesting and funny and engaging for the entire runtime? Well, well, one thing that was really important was to have different voices, and that's what I pushed me and um, the co-writer Kimmerson Hargrove. I was really like, dude, we need this. Can't just be what you and I, elder millennials, would be in the chat. Like, there's all kinds of people. With Kimmerton, brilliant writer, but I kept being like, dude, your grammar's too good. Like, this is not, and he's like, okay, <laughs> got it. Like, you're being too clever. Like, oh, we can have some clever, but we gotta, you know, mix it up. And I'm sure he was loved it when I'm like, like, show feet. This will be great. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was just kind of attacking it from a couple different ways. And, um, first off, the comments, even though you think we would have learned from the short, were like, oh, maybe it won't be this hard this time. Kimmerton and I, I think, wrote, <laughs> 20 pages in the screenplay of comments, right? That sounds like a lot. And we get there and that was like 15, 20% of the movie. So we're like, oh, oh shit. shit. So we had to then go write a bunch. I would say at the end, we wrote 80 to 85%. And then we started outsourcing, like sending rough cuts, like use any voice you want. Um, you'll see like additional comments written by in the credits. So we got some um, people to oh, help that's us. Smart. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Taking one or two, different, getting different voices. We tried to write as different voices, but it was good to get, um, you know, some variety of people, ages, backgrounds to, to do some comments. And yeah, and then and from there, things just kind of came up. Like we did, um, we actually did a Gen Z focus group because that was my main concern. It's like I, I wanted this to be authentic to Gen Z, um, you know, and not them be like, no, people would never say this. So we did oh, that. Yeah. And one thing I got back was... Some of the people wanted more of the mythology, but, you know, the movie had already been shot. But what's cool about this is that the comments are kind of a cheat code, too. So it's like, well, I could make someone called Murder Maven, give her a check mark so you pay attention, and then create this character that just goes through the entire movie explaining all the mythology of the um, cult. And so stuff like that. And I think I told you the, the you know, Peter P.P. showing feet, you know, um, stuff like that. And... That's yeah, so cool, so, though. Yeah. That's so smart. Like, what a cool way to use the format, like, to your advantage. Like, and being like, oh, cool, how can I creatively do, like, take this note? And but at the, and also, it's cool because that ties into, I think, a lot of when you, like, are on a TikTok live stream or something and you see someone trying to be the expert and that is, like, the verified mod or whatever jumping in. Like, I 
it just it's cool that that was added in because it felt so mm-hmm. natural to like the part like the flow of the chat so that's cool to hear that it was added after the fact that's so neat yeah in the ending credits i was like you know i was like what if we put some faces to these people in the comments and so we the last second did casting i don't think people even knew what they were reading for like so when do we fly on set i'm like no 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 you're just at the end but you're kind of a main character I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> i love found footage it's so good it's such a weird fa- format and it makes me so happy <laughs> yeah well i would also love to hear how because i know that you, you worked with spencer levin before with the short how did you find him because he's he is such a douchebag like, he's so good at playing a douchebag <laughs> like i wanted to punch him and i love it and i'm here like how'd you find him how like what did where did you find him what was that casting process like when you first met him for the sh- short we had a lot of people read who were really kind of channeling um maybe like a paul brother or one of the other bigger influencers because it wasn't straight it was a you know it was a it was like a couple different influencers. It wasn't just one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And these people did it well, but they weren't quite hitting right. My friend um, had just uh, produced and directed a web series. And he had this guy, um, you know, he's like, I have this guy I think can work for it. But he played like the nicest, most well-rounded guy in this web series. And I'm like, dude, I don't think so. Like, And he's like, just let him read. And he read and he did well. He really nailed kind of the... Um, you know, the part at the, 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 the more sentimental, sad part at the end or whatever. And he wasn't quite there douche wise. So I like literally called him and I'm like, Hey, can you just do one more read and just go full douche? And he's like, sure. And I think he put on like these ridiculous sunglasses and walked around the pool, his pool and, um, sent me something just totally douchey. And I'm like, all right, he can do it. And, um, he's just so talented. Um, I can do a quick aside. Are y'all into sci-fi or old Star Trek or anything at all? Yeah. Yeah. My experience casting was this. It was something like that Mirror Mirror episode where the evil people have the goatee. Um, oh, uh, okay. Yep. It was like Kirk said something that it's like it's easier for a civilized person to pretend to be a savage than a savage to pretend to be civilized. And that's what I kind of found with the casting. I felt like the people who were kind of that alpha person, you know, influencer vibe naturally were having trouble bringing it back around to, oh, this guy's likable, maybe is just confused and stuff like that. And so I think, I think it worked. And um, yeah, Spencer was great. He did such a good job and him, him and all the actors. I mean, you know, he, he was on board first, but they're so good. You had an incredible cast that like, I mean, Michael Bonini or yeah, like he was, I wanted to just caress his small young face (laughs) as Steve (laughs) Such a cutie. Such a cutie. And yeah. so good. Yeah, he he was great. He read for one of the um, the toxic frat boys first. And oh. um, I'm like, you know, I think you can do more, you know. And he it took him a second. He's super talented. But it took him a second to get the part um, because he, he can play alpha so well. And, and I'm like, no, man, this guy's confused. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so you know, stutter more. And then I had to tell Spencer, I'm like, look, Michael's a little bigger than you, but you need to alpha. Like there's a, needs to be no question. So like get in his face, like don't let him run the stream. And, um, they both did a great job. And then, so, That's you know, so cool. Tanisha and Cam also is Spinifer just totally killed it as well. So it's Spinifer! like, Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> oh my God. Spinifer. 
I'm curious how this kind of all came together. Do you, do you watch? Did you used to watch a lot of YouTube, or do you watch a lot of YouTube? Because the thing that like surprised me, and I think I really found this like around maybe 2018, 2019, when like uh, right before the pandemic and into the pandemic, I was watching a whole lot of YouTube videos, and then you would see like a lot of these personalities, and so I'm just I'm kind of curious because what I really enjoyed about this film is the way in which. I'm looking at these characters and I'm like, I can see direct correlations to people that I've seen or the people that have been in the periphery of YouTube. And so I'm just kind of curious about your like relationship with YouTube stars like this. I honestly wasn't that into it. So I did research. I, I okay. really tried to figure out and see, you know, like I, cause Rolling, you know, they, they are big enough where they hit. Like I vaguely heard about Emma Chamberlain. So I kind of did a deep dive with her and I thought certain aspects, um, especially the old school stuff where she was still kind of coming up and had this girl next door, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought that was cool. And so I some of that stuff and I created like, um, a TikTok account and, um, was, you know, just following like way too many people in the early twenties. My wife is like, look at like, what are you doing? Oh, no, like, it's no, embarrassing. When I look at my, t- I love TikTok. I unabashedly <laughs> love using t- like using TikTok. I really just watch, but I, the number of people I'm like, these are, 22 year olds like i need to be throw my phone into the sun <laughs> it's just very strange yeah, i just so i've tried to see what they're all doing following some of the most like there's good people like mr beast is like legit and funny and i think a good guy and then there's a lot of people maybe aren't but i'm following those and yeah so i, I tried to just get an authentic sense and then you know it helps too when you cast people um around the age of the, uh, mm-hmm. the characters. So they were there to help me and, um, you know, make sure they were, what they were saying was, was accurate and stuff like that. So yeah, that was the the dive. I think the, the worst story I have when I first created TikToks, I did feel like, like a parent on Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm just trying to figure out like what, you know, you can, you can literally look up like Gen Z slang and stuff. And I'm like, let's see what it's doing. I just clicked on a, on a, live thing or something and i joined dude they might have been 17 anyway it was a group of like 15 people pre-gaming that were probably in high school or at least oldest freshman in college and this is when i first created and then they're like talking and i'm like this is cool for a minute or two i'm almost like taking notes seeing you know they actually do use bet um they said capping i'm like this is cool and then um they're like who is travis bible and i'm like oh crap they can see this and and so like I immediately left the chat. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get rested. I need to be careful. You know, I don't <laughs> taking notes. You're like, I swear to God, it's not as creepy as it looks. I'm taking notes on these kids drinking yeah. underage <laughs> cap. Yes. Bet. Okay. Yeah. Riz. Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but got the research in. Yeah. And you cool. know, I still, now I'm a, you know, I use TikTok. I feel like um, I'm using TikTok a lot now. And, um, I do feel slightly cooler than because my, once again, most of my friends are kind of mid thirties or older and uh, they're all Instagram. So I'm like, you know, I know the trick. I'm like, Oh, you're going to hear this one in a few weeks. I'm on Uh TikTok. I make that joke all the time. I'm like, Oh, I saw that on TikTok weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) to my Instagram friends. (laughs) I started crying about a cat. I follow on TikTok yesterday. Like it's all, it's a problem. Like it's a problem. Like I, it's a, it's an addiction, but that's a cat. A cat, yeah, a little baby cat. I got, I've just gotten like attached to a cat, a, a kitten, 
on TikTok, as you do. You know. Have you done the, the cat spin video yet? No, my cats are not fans of getting picked up, so I think if I tried to do that, I would get gravely injured. <laughs> so I haven't tried it yet. Sorry, I'll try not to deviate too much into cat talk. And oh, no. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> oh, we love it. We love cat talk. We love talk cat here. talk. We I, do. I am curious. Now that you've made a found footage movie, and besides having to write a ton, like a million comments, what's the hardest part about making a found footage movie? Hmm. I mean, you said, that, uh, yeah, besides the comments, that's, uh, I think you don't have uh, certain devices that standard horror movies have. Like, I watched, I've already watched a lot. I'm a big fan of found footage stuff, but I, especially before making the feature, was looking at how the scares worked and different things from paranormal activity to grave encounters, stuff like that. And you really need that jump scare, that mood. You have to have a really loud sound effect because you're not going to have a prominent score and like a string hit or a yeah. sound effect. Yeah. So making sure the um, the scares would would land. And then also, yeah, you don't, it is, don't get me wrong, it took a lot of editing to, um, to make that movie and make it seem like one stream, but you can't, necessarily do like rapid cuts or, or at least right. the way I was at yeah. mine, it had to feel authentic. Um, that being said, we ultimately um, did do a score. We tried a version without it. And uh, we ultimately uh, had a couple producer friends were like, we should try something and just make it organic. And I worked with a super talented um, composer and he, you know, he was like, he, he got the vibe and he was literally dragging the ax in his basement recorded that sound and then made organic sounds. So oh, wow. Half the people were like, oh, there's a score in that. And that's exactly what we wanted. Like, it's, I was going to say, I was literally just thinking I, don't, I was like, I don't remember there being, because I'm a, I'm a pain in the ass with found footage. I'm like, is there non-diegetic music in the movie? Because And I don't necessarily disparage a movie for that, but I'm always curious. So I, wow, there's a score? I was trying to, yeah. Oh. No, Brian Deming did, and it's cool. it's amazing, and I'm I'm kind of a it, yeah. You guys are into it, so you're worth like not many people want to geek out about this, but I'm trying to oh. abide by the rules, right? So it's like I was the short didn't have a score, the feature didn't like I can't have a score, but then I'm also doing screen life, and so technically, if you we were watching, you wouldn't necessarily see these text messages. So since I'm already fudging a little this way, then um, you know I think I, I was like I can get away with a score, but yeah. It's, made from crickets it's made from dragging it it's made from breathing it's this bass type thing and um it just is subtle and it picks up more and more as the movie goes on so see now i th- what i love about this movie and this just conversation just like s- solidified that is that every time i watch it i feel like i'm paying attention to something else and i really want to go watch it and just listen to the <laughs> score that's amazing so okay so you mentioned found footage you mentioned Blair Witch Um, can you take us back how did you get introduced to the horror genre I think it might have been Night of the Living Dead Um, so my mom used to take me to the library okay and um, you know you're supposed to read books there but they also had some VHS tapes Um, and she for for reason uh, let me read Night of the Living Dead I think in like first grade or something um, this is actually going to lead really nicely to anyway. So I've re- watched that, and um, you know, it's it was really scary. It was good. Um, my mom, whatever, is okay with it. And then I kind of got on like a horror kick in elementary school, which honestly, to me, was the best time to watch like Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the Thirteenth because they're actually scary when you're eight years old. Um, 
and they're more funny when I rewatch them. So I, that's what I was into as a, as a kid. Like, I mean, I would watch every Nightmare on Elm Street, every Friday the 13th, um, a bunch of the Not the Living Deads, like those kind of serial type stuff. And then, you know, I think the, um, the horror, it, it kind of evolved by the time you hit like Blair Witch, which is really unsettling. And then just, I don't know, just, I, I kind of just, not just found footage, but kind of kept watching it. Cause it's, you know, um, there's five scream back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many different types of horror, you know, it's, it's such a great medium, but yeah, kind of, I wouldn't say I was like an ultra fan, but if I was going to go see a movie, it was either going to be like JJ from Star Trek, you know, as it went or yeah. like the strangers, which was also really creepy. So yeah, I think I've just kind of, you know, I don't think I have exact, genre i'm usually not like ultra gory type person okay. like um i do like evil dead and so you know like i do like that stuff but i don't seek that out as much i prefer kind of your found footage or like the strangers kind of creepy like like the strangers motivation why are you doing this because you're home mm. I'm like that's fucked up and that's yes I, I love that and and yeah and now it seems you know it's it's a where we are now right it's like if you're gonna see a good movie it's either gonna be either go see marvel or a horror movie you know and um you know i was not in line to see what what's out like not quantum whatever marvel whatever's going on we saw talk to me instead so, oh yes um, what you think of talk to me it's it was good it was well made it was a little darker once again i'm just getting old i'm coming wuss i'm like i thought it was very well done but um it's a dark movie i didn't nest the, the self-mutilation stuff i'm kind of like I would love that. I would eat that up in my 20s now. I'm kind of like, all right, is it okay to close your eyes when you're, you know, like, I'm like, maybe I'll, you got nothing I'll look to away for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was, uh, I did love it. And it was, uh, it, it was just, it was very cool. So um, there's a lot of fun. Like, uh, was it bodies, bodies, bodies a while yep. ago? Like there's, you know, when you can mix in some levity with your horror, that's, uh, that's the way to go. I think. Yeah. So I was curious with the you bringing up levity in the horror, but also because Chad gets the axe is a horror comedy. Is that do you like? Do you prefer horror comedies? I I think so. I don't know. It, it depends. Yeah. I love Hereditary. I love Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Ari Aster thinks those are funny. So maybe I'm just you know maybe uh, I, you're I, not I the only person. Movie. I have two friends who think it's the funniest movie they've ever seen. It's kind of weird, but I you know what. When you see it with the Audi, I did just, they just did a screening of Hereditary down there and we went and saw that and the director was there and everyone was cracking oh. up and I'm like, well, maybe it, it was kind of fun. It was the third time with the audience. So it's kind of like, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I think I lean a little more, more towards it, but you know, cause I don't know. I think it doesn't have to be like hilarious type thing. You know, I'm not actually, I did like, you know, scary movies so back in the day, but not necessarily that level. Right. Of, yeah. Not the- yeah, but I like it. You know, even Scream. Part of the reason it keeps me at school, but I like the self-aware. I like it's not that serious. Like that's the type of stuff I'm I'm looking for. And yeah, and I don't I don't I don't know if Chad gets. I think Chad gets the axe is still more horror comedy than comedy horror. But it's yeah. that line is fun. You know? It is oh, a yeah. fun line, and I, I I do think there's like a a weird balancing act where it's like, are you leaning more into the comedy or leaning more into the horror? And there's only a, a few numbers that I a few movies that I feel like balance that incredibly well. But it's it's tricky. So I'm always curious when people are making a horror comedy because I'm like, how that line is just I don't know. It seems really very fine for me. Yeah, and it's it, with ours. It's weird because we knew we were gonna have comments, so it's like. How funny 
are the characters. And there's some good lines in there, but I knew if they're too funny, then it could take away from the comedy of the, the comics, mm-hmm. of the, you know, like Mr. Science Theater 3000 or Beavis and Butthead, you know, you can't, if you're doing that commentary, if the, if the source material is actually already really funny, it actually, it doesn't quite work. And so there's some good lines in there that the characters are doing and get, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's finding that, that right balance amount to leave some of the humor for the comments and the, you know, meta commentary we were, we were doing with everything. So before oh, yeah. we talk about your movie choice, I do want to know what is, what was the last movie that truly scared you that got under your skin? Um, you know, it, it's, you either want to say like, like mid midsummer or what, am I pronouncing that right? I don't know. Midsummer, yeah. Midsummer. I don't. I don't think it really matters. I say Midsummer. I want to be like. I say Midsummer too. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy. Yeah. But <laughs> that. But that. That being said, I mean, I just told it like, talk to me, dig into my yeah. skin for better yeah. or, or worse. Like it, it. It's. It had some darker themes in it, and it's like, whoa, this is. Uh, yeah, there was some really intense stuff going on with that movie, so it did uh, stay with. Um, me my wife's like why did you bring me to this i'm like i don't know it's like, <laughs> like these guys did like star wars versus harry potter it's gonna be hilarious you know they're like youtube and um that but there you go the youtube youtube creators that would go on to make something incredibly fucked up that just doesn't seem like it's in their in their wheelhouse and yet here we are dude yeah very tight very fun use of the protagonist, whether they're antagonist, but anyway, yeah, that, so, so the, the honest answer, yeah, I guess it would talk to me, which I just saw in theaters a few weeks ago. And yeah, it did, it did stay, um, it did stay with me just cause there's, yeah, just pivots all of a sudden, you know, and it's just like, this is fucked up. I really oh, want to yeah. revisit it. I haven't seen it since, um, Sundance. I saw it at Sundance and then I haven't seen it okay. since then. So I'm like, I really want to revisit it to see how, how well it holds up. Cause in my mind, it was like one of my, truly terrifying experiences watching a movie yeah it it's it's still there so yeah it's just hell yeah okay so travis we've talked to you about your horror history and chad gets the axe but what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss uh we have return of the living dead two two all right Yep. So for those unfamiliar, in Return of the Living Dead 2, curious kids unearth the barrels that previously helped revive the dead, which proves the second time's an undead charm. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> Is that IMDb? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, uh, I have. Me, there's a lot writing of things... original content? No. No, no, no. Not today. <laughs> there's a lot of things I find <laughs> weird about that that summary but uh i do want to i do want to hear your first time watching this movie travis how old were you how did you see it why is this your scarred for life pick it fits back in because uh you know nine living dead public library which was um a really good film that holds up um return of living dead too perhaps not but um (laughs) so i was like watching watching all of them and i'm like all right i gotta see and my mom also just basing it on well she would see Night Living Dead. She's like, oh, these are fine. And then, um, so I rented the second one, um, which was interesting. And then the, um, I did this one. I think I was eight years old when I saw Return of the Living Dead 2. And um, at the time, when you're young enough, it was really scary and still funny at the same time. It was kind of like, they were, they were, they were going for kind of like a, Go- a Goonies vibe, I feel like. And like a, a Goonies horror movie, and it just 
really worked for me because I think the protagonist, I think it's a kid that's like 10 years old or something, and um, he's battling zombies, and the zombies looked, once again, as an eight-year-old, the zombies looked fucking scary. <laughs> you know, it's people getting, like, like turning into zombies or whatever, getting sick and turning into zombies, which, you know, gave me nightmares and the part where the bully eats the mom's brains. We can touch on that more later, you know, but um, that with the braces. And so that, uh, it, it, it scared me. But what's funny about that movie is I've seen it as a kid so many times is it scared me the first time. But when I revisited it, like even just nine or 10, I was able to recognize like, oh, this is just kind of funny. This isn't like terrifying you know mm-hmm. like so it didn't take long to hit that and then at 10 i showed it to all my friends and we just watched it again and again and we go around talking about it on the playground and go, you saw a rated r movie like which i'm like yeah you were the cool kid zombie you were the cool kid in the yeah. playground you were telling them about the rated r movies your mom let you watch you were so cool yeah that's how it was wait so you had, <laughs> so, yeah. you had seen the first one before you saw the second one return the first return of living yeah. dead okay so but so that that one did did so did this one scare you more than the first one because there was a little kid in it? I think it might have hit me hit me more with the little little kid. So cool. I think we're talking about the Living Dead. The first one was just not my thing or whatever. Um, but the second one, yeah, I think like I said, I think it's the, I think interesting. The kid, okay, yeah, I think it's that's what really. Uh, well, and it's definitely like sillier yeah. that's for sure than the the first one and i maybe that silliness was resonating more with the younger kid because i mean the first one's scary i think the first one's really scary like scary in a way that's like very existentially fucked up of that like when you are dead you are in pain constantly and the only reason they eat brains is so they don't feel pain anymore and like that to me is so horrendous yeah and then in this one i think they they try to do that, and they they have them like constantly moaning in pain, but it's also very silly. Yeah. It's but also, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, but ha- yeah, sorry. No, if we're gonna go on silly, yeah, it's uh, you know you got the you got a decapitated head saying you know get this screwdriver out of my head like it's just it's it's absurd. I think Michael Jack like a Michael Jackson imitator shows up at one point. Like, yeah. 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 It's it's ridiculous, and yeah, the the <laughs> rewatching it now, I was like, okay, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, ten um, year old Travis and yeah, old older Travis don't aren't quite aligned <laughs> on what's scary anymore, but yeah, I can see that though because I mean, the first one is very much like the punks in the cemetery, and it's all it's like. It's really cool because it's punk rock as fuck. But when you're a kid, you're like, I don't really. Well, some kids might be punk rock as fuck, but like a lot of a lot of kids aren't as familiar. And having this one be framed, at least at first, like a like a kind of gateway horror y like latchkey kid movie. Yeah, I feel like that. Like you said, like Goonies. Like it has that kind of trying to have the the, the kids getting into trouble while the mom is at home vibe and kind of hitting. It feels like it's more trying to hit that trend like on trend. But also not by also using the zombie movie, and it's not successful, I would say. But it's an interesting attempt. Yeah, right. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to see the Stranger Things kids like battle some zombies? Or yes, you know? I would. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like it definitely ha- again. Like at the end, you got like Dana Asher driving the truck, and the girlfriend, and the little brother, and the old guy, and like we're all like it's got that that like that end of an eighties movie <laughs> vibe, but it just doesn't. 
it doesn't always come together for me, but I do like the, I, I like the idea of what they were like going for in terms of like, kind of, again, that trend they were trying to kind of hit on with the, the sequel. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they took it a different angle and yeah, it just was, it's yeah. And even we're watching it, I'm like, the kid's really a big part. Then he's kind of like put to the side for a while. And then there's those, yeah, some super annoying characters in between. that you are just rooting to become zombies. And yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's got a lot of stuff going on, so I'll give it that. It, I think the director took a big swing. He maybe didn't connect <laughs> completely with that <laughs> that swing. But in theory, Goonies meets Not Living Dead is a, um, a great, great It idea. is a great idea, absolutely. Uh, so, there's boy, there's a lot of things I want to say about this movie. The first, I guess I'll start. I remember seeing the cover of this movie at the the VHS store. At the, the VHS store, at the, the movie... <laughs> what are words uh, i remember seeing this at like the at like the blockbuster or the hollywood video and this this cover was just always so gripping to me because it's like there's a graveyard and there's like this smoke cloud coming out that's forming into a zombie face and i remember seeing this and going wow i want to see this movie so bad as a kid and to contrast this with, I think the first movie now as an adult, I love the cover of the first movie with the punk rock zombies on it. But this one for me as a kid was like the one I must see this movie and my parents wouldn't let me watch it. And so it wasn't until much later that I was able to like watch return of the living dead and then return of the living dead part two. And what surprised me the most was seeing the actors, two actors from the original return of the living dead in completely different roles as if like, this is somewhat, I, I don't, I was, I was so confused as a kid. I was like, this is this, this isn't a sequel. How is this a sequel when it's not even the same characters, but they're, the actors are playing two completely different people. And yet there's still, there's some similarities between there. And that like confused the fuck out of me when I finally did watch this movie. Was that – so it's been a long time for the first one. Was it like the – was it the Grave Robber yep, guy? Joey, like Joey the, played by Tom yeah. Matthews from um, Friday the 13th and then James Karen as Ed. Those two in the first movie play uh, workhouse. Like they work in a medical workhouse. Yeah, like that – it's that medical warehouse yeah. thing where they store – they're storing the chemicals, I think, something like that. Okay, Thank you for confirming that, because I was also confused. I was like, am I just misremembering every single detail of these movies? I was like, whatever. I'll, I was like, we'll talk about it on the podcast. I'll get it figured out. I could have Googled it, but I wanted to talk about it instead, because I was a little bit like, wait a second. I'm misremembering. So I'm. that's why when I'm wa- I was watching it, I'm like, do I consider this a sequel? Is it a requill? Is it like a remake? Like, what? Let's talk about it. Like, what do we consider this movie? It's it has the same canisters, right? Mm-hmm. Like same canisters, same phone number, emblazoned on the front of them. Okay. You know, when I think about this now, I think about the time when Stephen King, um, and I think I told you this off air once, Mary Beth, where I think of this as like when Stephen King wrote The Regulators, and then as as Richard Bachman wrote Desperation, and we have those two, or is it the reverse? I can't remember. But as one, he wrote one, and as his pseudonym, he wrote the other, and they have. Similar characters, but similar like premise, but they're completely different. And that's how I feel with this movie is that this feels like a a remake of the first one in, in, in some ways, because it has some similar 
motifs in it the military the canisters the tar man the two lead uh the grave robbers in this one there's like very similar uh ingredients and yet it's a completely different movie (laughs) it's very strange to me i guess it's like because i kept trying to be like is this I, I my brain was working on overdrive to be like, what's the correlation? I think think it again, I always said tend to do this, like overthinking these things. <laughs> and like when there really is a very tenuous connection here, and I think it's just, you know, a money grab from the producer, Tom Fox. Like he wanted to make a franchise yep. and he was like, We gotta do it. And the guy who wrote it and directed it, Ken Wiederhorn, I believe, mm-hmm. like, just kind of wanted to make it silly and they said, yeah, go for it. So I guess, sure. It, it does feel like a much sillier, not for kids, but like has that kid vibe, like gateway horror e latchkey kid vibe to it. So it's very yes. fascinating. Yeah, relic. eating brains is fun. Yeah, that was the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, obviously. My takeaway from it. I will say, I did, I did, I always enjoy when a movie is not afraid to put kids in peril. Mm. And I love that we have the kids becoming zombies and getting sick and like in the parent's house with the temperature when she puts it under his tongue and she's like, it's, you're, you're cold. You don't have a fever. I don't understand. You don't have the, the thermometer under your tongue. And like that kind of concept, I think is so terrifying. Like your parents are watching you fall apart. Like, I think that part is, I think that's an interesting thing to play with in this movie. Um, obviously, isn't it? He eats her brain with the braces at, at that yeah, one point. And that we that's, talking, that yeah. to me was the... At the time, an eight-year-old Travis, the scariest part, and even 10-year-old was, like, the funniest part, you know? But it was amazing, yeah. And uh, that the bully became the zombie. And they kind of tried to hash it out, right, between the um, the main kid and him. Like, they kind of tried to follow that plot line, and I think... Yeah. Tried. 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 It doesn't... It kind of gets scattered, but at the end, I think he electrocutes them. So maybe there's some kind of a character arc about standing up to bullies. When, when they're zombies, of course. Um, right. Right. You know. <laughs> Don't electrocute actual people. Only yeah. if there's zombies. Well, I did think I did find that to be kind of a fun little callback to Night of Living Dead, where the little girl attacks her mom. So like that, I always I always mm-hmm. love seeing that when yeah. the kid turns on their parents because in in reality that would be so incredibly hor- horrifying, right? The idea that your kid is going to potentially eat and devour you is yeah. fucked up. But in here, well, it's really silly. And night me. and Night of the Living Dead was like one of the original, like one of the first. Or one of the big controversies was around the fact that the little girl mm-hmm. killed her mom. And people were like, what do you mean killing, like, you know, all that good symbolism, family unit falling apart, younger generation, all that stuff. But I mean, like, so it's, I, because I know there's like a kind of a weird tense history between Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. With Romero and all that stuff. So, but I, I still love that even with this, they're continuing the tradition of kids eating parents. I don't know if it's intentional, but I love the trend of every one of these movies having a kid eat a parent. <laughs> it's That's, very interesting. What was the tension? So, Wait, what, so Romero got mad. Yeah. What's the, what's the best? Yeah, exactly. Ter- can Terry, can you explain it better than I can about the weird? John A. Russo worked with, uh, George Romero on Night of the Living Dead. And then he went on to write books. And so I, I'm not 100% sure about all of the legalities between it. But so there was um there was a fallout between Romero and um, and John Russo and Romero got to continue making his his dead movies. But 
Russo got the ability to uh, Living Dead, I believe, was like he got to create the Living Dead series. And so he wanted to take that and make it into Return of the Living Dead. And so he had hired um, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote um, uh, Alien. He worked. He wrote the initial story yeah. for Alien, and he got him to write it, and he infused a lot of humor into it, and then created their his own the Living Dead series, whereas Romero could make of the Dead. So like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, all of those movies R- Romero could do, but John Russo had the Living Dead aspect of it, which is really weird. But that's sort of the kind of fallout between the two of them. And I'm not 100% sure why they got into an argument. I think they wanted to take the series in different directions. I can. So did they hate each other's movies? or? Uh... I don't know, actually. I wonder what George Romero thought of. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead, or the, or you know, the reverse of right. Dawn of the Dead, or whatever. I'll, I'll say this: I, I do. I didn't see. It's been a while since Return of the Dead, Dead Part One or whatever, but I don't mind the ninety-minute runtime because we did a midnight screening of. Uh, is it Dawn of the Dead? What's the shopping mall one? Yep, Dawn of the Dead. Good movie. Good one of the movie. actors was there. Super cool time, but it it was uh, it, it was longer than I remembered it being. I think it might have. Yeah, it was. It was close it's to very two long. Hours running time. Yeah, so I was like, okay, um, you know. So I, I appreciated the, uh, the the brevity of um, what's going on in these, uh, you know, Living Dead movies. Well, and I agree with that. I like how, and I I will say that even I'm about to clown on it, but there is a, there's a lot of special effects in this movie, and they really do some interesting stuff with zombies. But they butchered the Tar Man. I just they have did. to say that Thank right you. now. They butchered the Tar Man. The Tar Man in the original is so scary and so gross and goopy, and also kind of silly at the same time. And that's why he's so scary. And this one didn't do it. It was just kind of scary, and it wasn't the same. And I just had to say it because I was really disappointed. <laughs> it was like that's Tar it. Man. Cause, Come on, you got to at least cover him in tar. I know. <laughs> you got to have him be goopy. And I think, like, I, I honestly, as I was watching this, rewatching this one last night to prep for this, I was like, I paused it and went and Googled. Because I was like, it's been a couple years, I think, since I've seen Return of the Living Dead, because we covered it on the podcast. and But it's been a couple years. And I was like, I don't remember the Tar Man looking, looking this bad, is what I want to say, because I didn't think the, the makeup effects on his face were the greatest. And I was like, no, the original Tar Man is, is Ooh, yeah. much superior. Such I'm, good. Uh, I'm, I'm Googling as we're talking to this. I now have to see him. And yeah. Way, much goop. Yeah. He was, he was just kind of funny in this one. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they ran out of money or something. Maybe, um, you know. Maybe they... I think, like, the whole thing with this one is it they they had a lot more zombies, it feels like. So maybe they did run out of budget. But it just feels like they – there are some cool parts. Like, when she shoots him off – like, shoots that guy's torso off and it's, like, his – I love that moment. Spinal cord, like, still, like, wiggling yeah. around. And there's obviously some really good effects, but I just, I don't think they, they didn't have as many, like, iconic, like, figures, I guess, than, like, the other, than the, um, first one did. For me, at least. I don't know. That's, the, it, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the decapitated head or whatever with the screwdriver through it, that was, uh, that stood out. And the, um, the cutting the fingers off and stuff at the beginning of the great, yeah, there, there's some stuff. But yeah, overall, um, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't blown away with the 
with the tar man and you know it was funny looking at the extras though because it looks like they just threw on like like you'll be American revolutionary you'll be like a swinger yeah. zombie like yeah. extra costumes go even though I'm yeah I, I'm, <laughs> and like the zombie like the zombie makeup looks a little bit like is it Billy from Hocus Pocus slash oh, like yeah, a little bit Salem does. You're right. you're absolutely right oh my god I kept staring at them going why do they look so familiar to me? And you're right. It does look like Billy from Hocus Pocus. But again, like I did lo- look, it's dumb. But like when they, when they throw the hand off of his throat and it just like turns around and flips the bird, like silly things like that. Like I, I appreciate what they're trying to do with the silliness, but again, it feels like they weren't trying to go for as many scares and more for like silly body gags, which again, like, that's a movie for people, but it's just hard to follow what happened in the first one with this, I think, is like, like, I'm curious how this would have, it's still, I mean, it did, it did okay at the box office-ish, but I'm curious, like, if having the label on it hurt it, or, I don't, I don't know. Also, I didn't, I'm jumping, I forgot to say this, I have never seen this movie before, this was my first time watching it, I had not seen it before, so... It's experience. As an eight-year-old, I can strongly recommend it to you know. Like it just is now. My my wife was like, "Why are we watching this? Can we turn this on?" I'm like, "Nope." This is my favorite movie as a kid. It really scared me. And she's, um, she did like the uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you're curious. What does Travis Bob's wife? Um, she did like the flipping off. She's like, "Okay, that's funny. That's good." So, um, yeah, there there are some high points, but. No, it's like they needed. I, I don't think they hit. Once again, as an adult, um, you know, as an eight-year-old, it was. I'll give it, you know, ten out of ten. Um, I don't think now that they hit like either the comedy or the horror. Like neither of them were quite quite strong enough um, to to work. It's like if you're gonna, if, I think they leaned too heavily into comedy, but the jokes weren't quite quite good enough. They weren't, but there were some that really. I. I actually really kind of chuckled at though the, the doctor dr mandel he has some pretty good moments i have to say i loved when they're like they they need a car they're trying to escape they break into his garage he is he's like we need your car they're dead they're dead we need your car and he's like sounds like you need a hearse it, for some reason I, and I, maybe it's because at this point i was just sort of like beaten down by some of the, the comedy that made me laugh and then like a little bit later he notices one of the zombies and it was a former patient and he says we ran out of typo it's not my fault like some of those moments i was like okay this is this is kind of silly but it's it's working on me a lot better but like he also like was delivering them in a funny way i think some mm-hmm. of the actors also just didn't have the best comedic line delivery or like timing and he had really good funny time like it just the he had that vibe of like, okay, I appreciate this character in a horror movie that's like an older guy who's just like constantly cracking jokes and is like, seems like he's in a totally different movie. Like, I love that kind of character, but he really was in an entirely different movie than everyone else. Yeah. Good for him, but... <laughs> apologizing to... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good moment, apologizing to a zombie for you accidentally uh, killing him as their doctor. I mean, yeah, I'll... I'll give you that. Like that. I accept that. That yeah. was yeah. I also really enjoyed when when uh, Brenda, one of the the characters who is. Uh, She's the girlfriend of Joey, Tom Matthews' character, and Ed is turning into a zombie, and he's trying to, like, 
snap at them and she's like ed ed quit it and she's like scolding him as a zombie i was like okay this is that this is like the kind of energy i was kind of hoping for this movie and we don't we get little bursts of it here and there the the flicking the the flipping off hand moment the the zombie getting cut in half and then using his arms to like walk like there's some moments in there that i'm like this is genuinely entertaining and and funny but I think you're right, Mary Beth. I don't think some of the actors maybe have the right comedic timing that Dr. Mandel does or, you know. Yeah, it it's just like kind of inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And that's it's a bummer. But there are I mean, there are good moments, but it is very pretty like, totally inconsistent with like what it's trying to achieve. Exactly. I think I just once again, I'm, I, I guess I did a little more research on this, but I just did a little Rotten Tomatoes check and um yeah, it's a it's a set, like Return of the Living Dead Part One has like a ninety five percent. Return of the Living Dead Part Two has five percent. Yeah, like that, you're going in with like maybe it's so bad it's good level. I feel like of expectations for this uh, this movie, because um, that's a pretty big <laughs> big decline. <Yeah>. That's a, <laughs> like ninety percent down. That's that's impressive that they took it in such a different uh, different direction. But yeah, it's 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 definitely. Yeah, if you if you go in knowing something's five percent, then yeah, I think you're uh, then think it worked. Uh, you know, if you told me that was five percent, I, I might have given it like eight, nine percent. You know, so yeah, five percent might be a little low, but you know, I mean, like, come on, Bre- Brenda willingly sacrifices her brain <laughs> to Joey. Beautiful, romantic, <laughs> just gorgeous, laser on down, and just starts nibbling at her brain, like. That was my favorite moment. I, I was like, yes. You know what? Yeah. I, I that lo- dialogue. Look, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a awkward sex scene, pseudo sex scene that's actually just him eating her brain. Like that, <laughs> that's a 10 out of 10 movie experience for me. It could, and again, could have gone harder. It could have gone so much harder in what that was, but it's okay. That's fine. Good moment. Would you, um, would you? Give up your brain to your uh, your husband if he was a zombie. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would. He wouldn't do it for me. Would you do it for your wife? Um, that's interesting. My wife's a neurologist, so like she would be into the brain. So that's there you um, go. <laughs> I okay. The perfect person to eat your brain, honestly. Yeah, as a neurologist her, yeah. zombie. <laughs> If she told me not being a zombie, she needed to eat my brain. I'd be like, well, you're, you're the doctor. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> you're um, probably doing something to save someone's brain. Yeah. Cool, you yeah. just have a little nibble. Okay, fuck it. That's fine. I, I do love that dialogue exchange between them, though, where he's, like, saying that her brain smells... Your brain smells so good, so rich and spicy, and her response is, I'm not into dead guys. And he's like, honey, it's only me. And then she's like, okay, take me, baby. It's just... It's... it's That, again, it's that's the energy so I wanted. good. It's just... Exactly. And there's, like, these glimmers of these, like, fully just campy, ridiculously dumb, but, like, kind of iconic moments. And I just think they were... It... I always feel like these movies feel nervous to to commit to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's almost, like, an anxiety of fully committing to the bit, so they pull back. And I'm like, no, just... You gotta just let it fully commit to the bit is really the advice I give everybody. Commit to the bit, everyone. It's it's better if you just commit all the way. In my opinion, I'm currently watching Twin Peaks for the first time. And as I was watching this, I like literally stopped and went, oh, my God, it's Bobby, because Dana Ashbrook 
is so Tom, cool. the cable repairman in this, and he is Bobby in Twin Peaks. And that was so surprising to me. It's Steve walked in, my husband, and was like, is that Bobby? And I was like, sure is. <laughs> there he is. Travis, are you a are you a Twin Peaks? Are you a Twin Peaks fan? I did not get into I watched a few episodes back in the day, so no, I haven't gotten into it as much. And when I when the cable guy showed up, I thought it was a little horny or something at first yeah. or whatever, but I didn't I didn't put the Twin Peaks thing together. I I'm I'm not really a fan of Twin Peaks either, I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I'm not really enjoying you can't it. Just say something like that in front of a guest and not expect me to throw a temper tantrum. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Twin Peaks, like, a lot. I get it, though. It's fucking weird. It, it is not... David Lynch is a weird man, and I love him deeply. But <laughs> it's it's always... It's just, like, because I love Twin Peaks so much, and Twin Peaks is such, like, a fixture in my mind as this, like, weird thing that I'm obsessed with. Whenever I see someone outside of Twin Peaks, like, in another movie, especially someone yeah. who, like, doesn't have a big career, like Dana Ashbrook, I'm like, you don't exist outside of Twin Peaks. <laughs> what do you mean? Bobby, what are you doing here, Bobby? Is he a cable guy in Twin Peaks, or what's his... Uh, uh, he's a high school student and a football player, and he's a huge douchebag. Okay. Yeah, he's a huge douchebag. So he's, he's kind of the hero in this, I get, or the, you know, so that's a... He has some range, I there guess. There you go. Good for him. You know? Good for him. Speaking of... What did it, if David Lynch would do a zombie movie, I'm sorry. Um, that would be wild. What would that be like, I wonder? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I speaking of range though, what shocked me on this watch was the realization that Michael Kenworthy, who plays Jesse, was in probably one of the best horror movies that came out in 1988, and in this movie because he was also in the Blob. He was the little kid in the Blob. Oh wow! Blob remake. Wait, was he really? Yeah, he was the little kid in the Blob remake. Who got who got it right? Um, no the 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 brother that that survives oh yeah sorry i got my got my children's slayings mixed up yep yeah he's he he's in the blob I and then he's why in he looks familiar he's Weird. also apparently he also did a, a series of commercials um they, there was this toy that i remember as a kid growing up i'm trying to think of what it was called i'm pulling it up right now do, 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 do. mad scientist so like there was this mad science range of mad scientist toys aimed at little kids in like the I think late 80s early 90s and it was like mixing different jellies and stuff to make ooze and whatnot oh yeah he was he was the kid in that commercial too and on the box of the of the mad scientist box that was him wow 19 1980s was his was his decade I wonder where he's at now yeah don't know if I want to know does he drop that yeah I mean how often do you think he mentions he was a return of the living dead part two <laughs> He probably drops the blob more often than that. Than that, I, I would I would think. What so. was his name? Michael Kenworthy. Was... He holds degrees in theater arts, telecommunications, and broadcasting. He's currently self-employed and works with Walmart on developing novelty items for young people. Good for him. Get that bag, okay. bud. Just have your normal life. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I was just I think I loved the punk so much in the first one. It was very weird to not have that kind of more rowdy wild group. I and there's a part where there's a car full of zombies that drives past that feels very much like an homage <laughs> to all of the punks. And I loved and I yeah. loved, and I, I did love how they referenced the original. And I think there's some like really cool moments in this movie. But again, like it just feels like a bunch of parts that they had some really cool ideas. They just did not know how to sew it all together. Which is 
a bummer. And now I need to watch the third one, which I know is like incredibly different than I hear these the third two. one's actually entertaining. I've also heard this. Have you seen the third one, Travis? No, but now I, I think I'm going to watch the trailer a couple days ago. Because that's the one where she's like got a bunch of glass coming out of mm-hmm. her face. Is that the one at the rave? Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah, and Brian Usna directed it. I forgot that he also directed it. Oh, there's a couple? Oh, wait, no. So there's Return of the Living Dead 3, but then I think what I watched the, the trailer for is Return of the Living Dead Rave to the Grave, which is a great fucking title, so I... I even if it's terrible, that... Yeah, I think... Grave to the Grave? Doesn't even have a tomato score, so that's a... <gasps> oh, yes. I want to say, you know, I'm not 100% sure if this is correct or not, but I do want to say that that one... Because there's The Return of the Living Dead, Rave of the Grave, and then Necropolis, which came out in the 2000s. And I want to say that those were done from, like, the Sci-Fi Channel. I think they were Sci-Fi Channel movies. Okay. I want to say... Fucking Rave to the Grave. That's incredible. Great it title. is a great title. It's a great title. Um, but I've, I've heard Return of the Living Dead 3 is actually very entertaining. I mean, Brian Usna, who did Society, like, he's a, he's a goopy director. So I, I am curious if... <laughs> <laughs> how good that would be but Mary Beth you did mention the callbacks to the first one and the moment that I thought was actually quite entertaining in this is when uh Joey and Ed they've been they've been doused with it they're sitting in the back of the car and Joey's like I just got this feeling it's like we've been here before it's like a dream you me them and I was like okay we're doing a little bit of fourth wall busting you know here with like because it's the same characters from or same actors from the first one. Like, I, I appreciate that. And I was like, I do like as I'm watching more and more movies, I am seeing like a trend in the in the late 80s to go more into this meta direction that we eventually that Scream gets all the credit for doing for like meta. But I there's I'm noticing a whole lot more movies coming up in through the 80s that have like these little moments of of meta humor in them. And I'm like, I, I like that. I'm, I appreciate that. That we're ne- we're kind of acknowledging the elephant in the room in this particular movie. I just Bizarre. they're not the third one, are they? What's that? No, they're not. Mm-mm. Okay, that's too bad. If they like kept it. You know, that could have been uh, different characters each time. Well, and I I was I was I was watching this. Is like what what was the intention behind having the same? I was like, is this is this one of those things where like you're trying to create a franchise and so you want to have some kind of continuation from the first one because they all die in the end of the first one. And I was like, so is that what the point is? I was like, are you kind of going for like an Abbott and Costello vibe? Because they do have kind of an Abbott and Costello-ish type of, Mm-mm. you know, they kind of, Ed is yeah. the older kind of grumpy guy and and uh, Joey slash, I don't remember what his name was from the first movie, but Joey is, is sort of like a kind of a clown. I was like, you do have this sort of like odd couple vibe between the two of them. I was, it, it would be interesting to see that continue i just i don't know i just i feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna try to make a sequel to what i think is one of the better zombie movies i love return of the living dead i think it is a great film and so i think if you're gonna like try to make a sequel to that you have to go a little further and i don't i i don't think they distance themselves too much because there's so many things that i could point to and i'm like return of the living dead did it better the military subplot in here i think return of the living dead had like a more punk rock aesthetic to it where it's like, fuck the military. And here it's like, yay, they're going to save us. And I don't know. There's just like, it feels, it feels like the opposite side of a coin in some way of like, this is not doing enough to, to warrant its existence. I hate to say. Damn. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Shit. Shit. 
But as a kid, I would have loved this because, again, I, 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 that's what I was like keying into when I was watching it last night. I was trying to think, what would this have been like watching as a young kid? And I do mm. think having – You're thinking, why did Travis Bible say this? <laughs> <laughs> like what? It's because I was eight, okay? Yeah, and, I know. And, uh, <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> no, I do think yes. I do honestly think that if I saw this at that age, I would have been as enamored with it because again, we have an entry point with the kid, and that was such a big thing in the eighties. Yeah. I'm thinking like uh, the Monster Squad came out the year prior to this. We have, of course, Goonies classic, but like even even the Blob had like uh, kid storylines, and I think that as a kid, you latch onto a whole lot more than watching it as adult and the kids I just find as an adult now the kids are kind of annoying in these movies but as a kid it was like an entry point absolutely and I so I, I can completely understand why this movie was terrifying oh absolutely yeah. I don't yeah what were they doing in the like were they going to get bodies in the graveyard initially and try to sell them is there a market for that like i wasn't even sure what what our main i was really confused about that too because he he's like you got to get these heads that have been interred i'm like who's buying interred skulls like what is that a market (laughs) am i in the wrong career field yeah like i don't it's wacky you know yeah it it, it hit a lot yeah and then he's trying to yeah give jewels to his girl uh, to the girlfriend right off from a dead person's hand and like yeah this will change your mind it's like this ugly bracelet off of old dead corpse and I'm like I don't it's know. probably going well, to leave your hand green yeah <laughs> best gift um alright well do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five sounds good alright Terry how many romantic brain meals out of five do you give uh, Return of the Living Dead part two you know this is not one of my favorites <laughs> And I, I do think, and I do think that it's because I high, I do hold Return of the Living Dead in such high esteem. I do think that first one is really, really good and funny and horrifying, and just like matches, hits every kind of note I would want in like a horror comedy. And this one just, I, it's like, it, I don't know. It feels very 1950s in terms of like we have the punk rock of the eighties in return of living dead, just saying Mm -hmm. fuck you to the fifties. And then it feels a little regressive in that, in that way, Mm -hmm. going back to just silliness. I too, I think, I think there's some, I think it's funny. I think there are, I do think there are moments that are really kind of funny. And I think that some of the effects are really decent. So for me, it's, it's a, it's a two uh, romantic brain meals. Mm. What about you, Mary Beth? I think I'm also going to have to give it two delicious romantic brain meals um, out of five. It, I think it has its merits. I think it's just, it's not a good follow up. It's got, it's, it's always so hard to follow movies like Return of the Living Dead. I mean, like trying to do any follow up a movie like that is impo- is like almost impossible. Like Exorcist Two. I mean, there's just, it's so hard to try to capture the magic of the of like the the first movie a lot of the time and i think we continue to see that with these franchises as they continue as people continue to keep continuing on franchises or starting new franchises but you know i still think it tried it tried to carve out a space for itself it didn't fully commit to it but i do appreciate what it was trying to do um and maybe one day Someone can specifically remake this one, you know, re- not the first one, the second one, which would be my favorite thing of all time is someone remaking Return of the Living Dead part two, but none of the other movies and making it actually like full camp 
And it be, can't be just a remake that. that one. Not the first or third one, just the second one. So that's my pitch for the day. Um, and on that note, Travis, you have the final word. How many romantic brain meals out of five do you give Return of the Living Dead? Eight-year-old me would go five out of five. Hell yeah. Current me... I can't give a movie I chose a one, so let's go... I'll, I'll give it to... Okay. Um, Two romantic brain meals. There was some good stuff in it. it like, it, it didn't execute properly, but there were some fun moments, and it was a good, you know, nostalgic ride. And, you know, honestly, the main thing around this conversation is I haven't seen Return to the Living Dead Part 1 since I was 8, and at the time I didn't like it, so I have a feeling that's actually a lot better. So I'm going to give that a rewatch, and I'm, I'm excited to... I would yeah. love to hear your thoughts. Like, send me an email or something because I, yeah. I do think that first one is. I think it's a classic. I think it is. A, it is really good. And so I'd be curious to hear what um, older Travis thought over uh, eight year old Travis. Yeah, I don't know if eight year old me was that great a movie movie critic. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of. I think there's a movie called like Three Ninjas. I like. You know, oh, yeah. I think. Eight-year-olds maybe aren't the best. Maybe that's why they're not writing the... They're not certified Rotten Tomato critics. Um. Uh, I, I am curious, though, but right before before we, we do sign off, when you rewatch this, because you said it had been like 30 years, did, did it come back to you from what you were a kid, or did you forget most of the movie? It came back, because I saw it so many times. Like, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, honestly, since until I talked to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, it did come back, and and so that actually, I think, helped get that second brain in the rate because there is, like, a nostalgia. Like, I remember yeah. it. I remember telling all my friends about it, like, and so it it was cool seeing something you haven't seen for that long, and then just remembering, like, oh, this, and, like, oh, yeah, the hand flips them off, and the yeah, the brain truck, and yeah, there, there's it was it was nice remembering all those those moments and yeah, how much I appreciated them as an eight year old. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Return of the Living Dead Part Two or Two, depending on where you're at on the web. Um, who knows? Uh, <laughs> are you on social media? Where can listeners find you? And the floor is yours to to plug away. Sure. Yeah, I'm on um, Instagram as the Travis Bible. Um, and follow Chad Gets the Axe also on Instagram. And I guess, right, yeah, it's out September 1st. So I believe that is when this will be airing. So, yeah, check it out, please. Uh, we're an independent movie, so everything helps us. So please give it a rent um, or buy it on your favorite, you know, digital platform. And, you know, um, give it, yeah, that would, that's that's my plug. Um, it's Hopefully good. You guys liked it. It's, so it's probably good. better than Return of the Living Dead too. So I think it does. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, we yeah. say that definitively. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wait, your cat has appeared and my cat has appeared at the same time. They share oh, a nice. single brain cell. Um, anyway. <laughs> we'll do a cat podcast sometime. There you go. So listeners, you've heard from us. But we want to hear from you. What What's your vibe on Return of the Living Dead 2 slash part 2? We would love to know. You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGailey Dreadful. And we um, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Scarred for Life Podcast. And on Blue Sky, what's our Blue Sky at again, Terry? At Scarred Podcast. The same as Twitter. At Scarred Podcast. So all over the web, guys. We're everywhere. 
<laughs> and please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we are on Patreon. We are. Thank you, Derek Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.